Turn, please, to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke, chapter 16. And uh, I do ask you to believe with me on these things this week. And uh, I'm confident that you are. Because, you know, utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. Number of things that go on in this. Most of the day today, I was just thanking God because He was showing me things. Just thanking God. He is so good. So good. Somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanking Him for answering questions and showing us, giving us just exactly what we need for now. It's, it's beyond me or any minister. You know we can't produce these things. These are too big. There's too much going on. And yet God uses vessels. He speaks through, ministers through vessels. And he does things directly while there's ministry going on. He, he'll say things to you that were not actually said. And about what was said. And it'll just keep on growing in you tonight after you leave and next week and, and beyond. The title of the series this week is uh, The Greatest Key to Increase. The Greatest Key to Increase. Now, if you've been around our ministry very long, you know that that's, that's not usually how I describe things. This all-inclusive phrase, the greatest key, because we only know in part. And so I might say, here are three keys I know of. But I feel confident in saying this like this, the greatest key. And the greatest key to increase that I'm seeing in the Word now is not sowing, even though that's a key is not confession, even though that's a great key, is not work and diligence, even though those are parts. Without this one that we're going to talk about, you can do some of these others and never reach where you should reach. Are you interested in finding out about this church? And this, (laughs) this, The biggest thing it affects is after this life. God's got plans for us. Big plans. Big plans. And most of it happens after this life. This life is the briefest thing we will ever do. I mean, a hundred plus years down here is blink of an eye in the things of God. And what's happening now is instruction and qualification for what comes next. In Luke 16, begin reading with me please in the first part of the the chapter here. Luke 16, 1, Jesus said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward 
Now, we're going to be talking about stewardship and, and stewards. And so we need to be clear on what we're talking about. A steward, that word there is the word for manager of a house or manager of an estate. Manager. He said there was a rich man that had a steward. And the same steward or manager was accused to him that he had wasted his goods. So he's been an unfaithful steward. Unfaithful manager. Verse 2. He called him and said, how is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship. That is kingdom language, give an account. As I begin to look at these things, the Lord helped me. That's why I was thanking God so much today. He was showing me how so many of these parables are connected. And the same themes are being repeated. What do you mean? Well, there's coming a time when we'll give an account. All of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ not to see if we're saved or lost, but to give an account. Account of what? Of how we handled his business in this world, in this life. We are stewards. Just understanding that is revelation. We are his stewards. We are stewards of his things. He said, give an account of your stewardship for you may be no longer steward. And the steward said within himself, what shall I do? Now, now you got to remember, he's talking contrast, he's talking principle and contrast. This is an ungodly steward. This is a bad steward. This is an unfaithful steward. And you see that the accusations against him, there were grounds for it, because what he does when he's under pressure is he starts lying and stealing. Right? His solution to the problem is lie some more and steal some more. So that indicates that's what he has been doing. Lying and stealing. And so he says, what will I do? My Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. The implication is he's physically unable. And to beg, I am ashamed. And so I'm resolved what to do when I'm put out of the stewardship that they may receive me into their houses. So he goes about trying to buy favor of his Lord's debtors. He called every one of the Lord's debtors to him. He said, first, how much do you owe my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. This is cooking the books. This, this is stealing. And uh, another, he said, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill. In other words, change the book. Now, this is back before the days of computers and backups on the cloud. <laughs> if you change the book, that was it. And take your bill and write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. Now that doesn't mean he did a good thing. It means he's a shrewd rascal. 
he had done wisely. Did you understand? James talks about a devilish wisdom. There's a wisdom that is earthly. It's not heavenly. But it's still wisdom. A devilish wisdom. And that's what this is talking about. That for the children of this world in their generation, wiser than the children of light. The Lord wants us to be simple concerning evil, but wise concerning his things and good things. Keep going. And I say to yourselves, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. There's a, a lot there, and I'm still believing to see more light there myself. But one of the things that we're to do is to be generous and givers. Hmm? And we're not trying to buy people. We're not, you don't cross the line and try to bribe people or buy people. That's wrong. That's, and also that's not giving. You're trying to buy something. You want to trade. I'll give you money. You give me this. That's not giving. But we should be known givers. Right? We should be good tippers. And just givers. Right? We, we don't wait for somebody else to pick up the check. We don't suddenly find something else to do. When it's time to pay. That's not us. We're givers. We're generous. Uh, it, it's amazing how people will respond to this because uh, unbelievers, by and large, are not givers. And this world system is mostly about taking, not giving. And when you show up, uh, I mean, Phyllis and I, I, many times, we've just come through a drive-thru and, and just smiled and handed them a little money and they were like, it had never happened before. Well, what, what, should we be like this or not? Make to yourself friends with money. You're not trying to buy people, but you just, somebody say, I am a giver. Giver child of a giver God. It's my nature. I enjoy it. This is one of the reasons why you need to be well off. I said well off. You need a peel off roll. You know what? What a peel off roll. Peel off a roll of money that's just there to give. Huh? That you have with you in your car, on your person, in your purse if you're a lady, and you know, uh, whatever denomination where your faith is at, if it's fives or tens or twenties or hundreds are good, just and that you can just peel off and say, I've got that. I'll, let me take care of that. Uh, let me buy you a new suit. Let me get you some new boots. Let's fill up your car with gas. Yeah. Peel off. Yeah. Why? And, and, and you're only helping yourself because the liberal soul will be made fat. Hallelujah. And when you give to the poor, the Lord said he would pay you back. You're only helping yourself. 
course, you need to be led in everything you do. Everything you do. And you should not try to draw attention to yourself and play big shot. Oh, absolutely don't do that. That, That's bad witness. This is not about showing off. This is about being generous. But but he, that's part of this. But in verse 10, he says, and here's what I'm talking about, the greatest key to increase. He that is faithful, everybody say faithful. Faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The greatest key to increase is faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness. I believe it is of the Lord that this week we learn a lot about faithfulness. And if we embrace it and let it change us, we open open doors of heaven. Opening of increase will come to us as we had not imagined. It will exceed. And I'm not not just talking about money now. Money is the smallest part of this. You need some. But it's actually the smallest part. What does money mean to God? I mean, U.S. dollars didn't even exist 500 years ago. Didn't even exist. And none of the kingdoms and governments and mints and currency of this world will exist in just a little bit longer. None of it will be around. So it's not just about dollars or, or yen or Deutschmarks, pounds. That's simply a tool and a means for a very temporary season. What's God looking for? With Him, it's always about the heart. I said, with God, it's always. Somebody say, it's always. With Him, it's always about the heart. And faithfulness, just like faith, is of the heart, not of the head. Romans 10 says, for with the heart man believes. And the Bible more than once talks about a faithful heart, a heart that is faithful. And so you'll see, my eyes are being opened to it, so many of the parables that Jesus gave by the Spirit of God This is what they're dealing with. They're dealing with a faithful heart. Because that is the thing he's looking for. The Bible said when when the Lord returns, shall he find faith in the earth? Faithfulness 
is not common. That's not my idea. Faithfulness is not common. The Bible talks about that it is, it's rare. Go with me to Psalm 12. Psalm 12 and and 1. There's a misconception in the enemies behind this. People say, well, you know what, we all have faith. No, we don't. The Bible says not all men have faith. That's just not true. Well, you know, we're all, you know, faithful in our own ways. Absolutely not true. (laughs) And people say, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. (laughs) People assume that's a glowing report. (laughs) But the truth is the word. And this psalm starts out with what? Help. 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 Help, Lord. (laughs) The Spirit of God is crying out through the psalmist, help, Lord. Why? Why? The godly are ceasing. And faithful people are failing from among the children of men. What does that mean? That there's a big surge in faithfulness? Faithfulness is not common. Help, Lord, the godly man ceases, and the faithful fail from among the children of men. All you have to do is see the condition of the world to know that's true. Because if most people were faithful, then most of the planet would have the will of God being done in it. That is definitely not the case. In uh, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 20 and 6, it says, Most men will proclaim every one his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? Are they plentiful, faithful people? See, y'all are, y'all are quiet on that one. Well, the Bible said the, the faithful are cease from among men. They're rare. And see, this is a big thing that's going on right now. What is the Lord waiting on to return? The precious fruit. Is that right? The precious fruit of the earth. What is the precious fruit of the earth? People souls, the saved, also known as the faithful. The faithful. Will there be a large portion of the population found faithful? No, there will not be. And that's one of the saddest things you could ever say. They asked Jesus when he was on the earth, are there few that be saved? Do you remember his answer? There's a broad way that leads to destruction and many are going down the path right into destruction and oblivion. But there's a straight and narrow path and relatively few that find it. Oh, there's, there's millions of us, but what's that among billions? I mean, it's, it's amazing, but it's few comparatively. And it's not that God chose for people to 
be destroyed or be lost. It's their choice. It's their choice. But all human beings, from the time they breathe their first until they breathe their last and leave here, every day of their life, they have the opportunity to choose to believe God, to choose to trust Him, and to choose to be trustworthy. And if you do that, you become rare, precious. Is that right? We're a chosen generation. Is that right? A special. I know the King James says peculiar, but that's not an excuse to be weird. Uh, (laughs) We're special. Rare treasure. That's what he goes on to say. We are the chosen. Oh, somebody say glory to God. And he, the Father, desires and actually needs millions upon millions upon millions for his plan. How many of us will it be? Like the sand on the seashore. Like the stars in the sky. That's big. How will it get to there? I don't know all of that. But God has big plans. And it includes you and me. Ruling and reigning with him. In his eternal kingdom. And the things he has. For us to handle are eternal things. They are things that are beyond what we have understood or thought. We don't need to understand it right now. We need to qualify. He can get us up to speed quick. Past this life. What he's looking for. What for untold eons past has been a problem are beings he can trust that won't distrust him, that won't rebel against him. He hates rebellion. It has, there's much, most of this we don't even know about. The angels have rebelled. Satan rebelled. We, we don't know everything that's happened even before we got here, but It's awful. It brings devastation and pain and destruction. Look at our planet. Look at our world. All of this is the result of rebellion and disobedience and defiance. You can't have real faith and real faithfulness unless the person has a choice. It can't exist. Without a choice. And you give somebody a free choice. They can choose to rebel. They can choose to be unfaithful. And billions do. But some. I said some. There's a remnant. There's a holy remnant. That have a faithful heart. And those. Are his treasure. Those. Are the apple of his eye. We. We are vessels 
of mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Vessels being prepared for him to reveal and bestow on us and through us the exceeding riches of his grace throughout the ages. That is increase. Not just some money down here. You'll need some of that and you can get some of that. But the big stuff, the big increase. Notice what he said. I want you to read it again. Verse 10 in Luke 16, 10. He that's faithful in what? That which is least or small or little. God does everything based on this principle. Everything. He gives you a little. Sees what you do with that. If you're going to be a smart leader, you'll do things exactly that same way. If somebody looks like they got a call on their life and maybe you could use them, give them a broom for outside. I'm not talking about trying to demean them. Somebody says, well, why? Not just can they sweep. Will they sweep where you told them to sweep? The way you told them to sweep? When you told them to sweep? If they have a better idea, if they went online and Googled sweeping (laughs) and decided that they got in their spirit a better way to do it, do not give them anything else. Don't you do it. You'll regret it. Why? Because if they won't listen with the broom, they won't listen with a microphone. They won't listen on the platform. They won't listen behind the keyboard. They won't, or they won't listen with the children. Not my words. I said not my words. Many, many people don't believe that. They, they believe, well, no, no, now, now you give me something important. And I will rise to the occasion. No, you won't. According to Jesus, you'll do exactly what you did with the little thing. That's what he said. I believe what he said. And I've seen what he said over and over and over again come to pass. (laughs) Verse 10. These are the words of the master. Anybody interested in some serious increase? I mean, mega increase. Anybody? What should you be interested in then? Faithfulness. Say, go ahead, everybody, sit out loud. Everybody watching online, sit out loud. Father God, Father God show, me show me what you desire, what you desire in, faithfulness. in faithfulness. Teach me what it is, what it isn't, how to develop in it, how to grow in it, how to please you well, how to please you well. with a faithful heart. I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You believe that's his will to hear that prayer and answer that? You know that's his will. Then he's going to be talking to you and me about this all this week, all day and all night. We're going to be seeing things. We're going to be getting things. It's going to be answering questions. And at every juncture, we have a decision to make. Because God will not make you be faithful. 
At every juncture we have a choice to make. He that is faithful in that which is what? Least. Least. Is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now that is uh, worldly stuff. Mammon is money and material things personified. If you hadn't been faithful in that, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Most of the church has got this backwards. They say, well, God don't care about money and natural stuff. He only cares about spiritual things. Well, that's not true. You'll be proven with less important things. Like money. Like the tithe. Y'all with me or not, church? We're going to need to talk some more about this before the weeks. The Lord's quickened me about it. If you won't obey the Lord with $10, you would not obey him with a million. People say they would, but I believe what Jesus said. He said you wouldn't. So it's a matter of being faithful with the little. Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin tells a story about how that uh, one time he had a man come and uh, preach in his church, and he wasn't pleased with what he preached. <laughs> and he was tempted to not even give him an offering or pass the plate or anything, and the Lord dealt with him not to give him twice as much. And boy, he did it by faith. And part of it was his own Christmas money that he had saved. And he had to believe God what he's going to do about Christmas. But then sometime later, he was called to bedside of a, a woman who was near death's door. And, and he and some other ministers got in there and praying in the room. And at one point, the Lord told him to go to the foot of the bed and commander, you know, speak to it, commander to be healed and rise up. And she rose up instantly and was healed and they ate watermelon out in the backyard that, that evening. And the Lord told him, he said, if you hadn't obeyed me with that, was it $50? I think it was. If you hadn't obeyed me with that, I couldn't have used you here. Is that true? Is that, is that true? It's got nothing to do with buying anything. It's will you do what he tells you to do with what you got in your hand at the moment, at the time. Will you do it? Will you obey him? Will you do what he said, when he said, the way he said? See, the, the enemy hates this. Oh, he hates it. If there's one word the devil hates, it's submission. Oh, oh, he can't stand it. He hates it. He hates it. And he has been able to breathe this defiance into most of the flesh on the planet. You see, even little ones, three-year-olds, you tell them to do something and something hits them and they say, no, no, what is that? It's a, it's a push. It's a spiritual push. Nobody tells me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. I'm free. I'm an American. 
You know, nobody tells me what to do. Really? Well, you know, God. Glad you remembered that. But the truth is, if you won't listen to people, you don't listen to God. Mm-mm. No. Oh, I mean, it's, it's fine and convenient to say, I only listen to God. And I only know what God tells me to do. So I only know. If I isn't that convenient? Nobody would know. But it's not true. It's not true. He tells you to listen to people in situations and submit to people. And that shows that you're submitting to Him. Keep reading verse 11. If you haven't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Next verse. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? I was thinking this afternoon, I was reminded, Phyllis and I got a word from the Lord. When would this have been, Phyllis? Back in the, right about 2000 or so, maybe. We were at a meeting, and somehow, Brother Kenneth, you, you and Miss Glory were there and some things, and y'all were going back home and allowed us to ride with you in the new uh, Bravo and, and the plane. Yeah, dropped us out. Tulsa, well, landed and let us out. And, <laughs> and let us out. And um, Miss Gloria was in the back and Billy Brim was in the back. And we're flying back and we were just so blessed to be able to ride in that, that blessed plane. And, and we're just enjoying the trip so much. And Sister Billy was talking about how according to scripture about how the Lord said he would give his people a place of their own. That they wouldn't have to move anymore and they wouldn't be harassed uh, by the enemy. A place of their own. We've talked about that in these meetings before. And um, while we were sitting back there the Lord brought this verse to me. If you've uh, not been faithful in that which is another man's who will give you that which is your own? At that time, we had been with the Hagans for about 20 years. And well, I'm sure we made plenty of mistakes, but our heart was to do what they wanted us to do and to do it their way. I mean, even if it was slicing their vegetables in the kitchen, right? Phyllis wanted to do it the way they wanted it done. And uh, the Lord said, You've been faithful in that which is another's. I'm going to give you your own. Now I'm going to give you your own. And right after that, property started coming in. These churches, the resources, all of these things. Is it true that faithfulness is the greatest key to increase? Faithfulness and part of the qualification is you being faithful with what is someone else's. Are you listening now? Someone else's. People say, well, I, I just don't think they ought to run it that way. Well, if you ever have one of your own to lead, you can find out. But for now, you better do it the way they told you to do it, or else you're unfaithful. 
Come on, can you hear that, church? You're unfaithful if you don't do it. Somebody says, well, you know, uh, we want to do it God's way, God's way, God's way. Yes, but who gets to say what that is in the situation? Who gets to say what that is? Well, the leaders do. And uh, if you stay faithful and keep your heart right, in process of time, you'll learn some things. And a lot of what you'll learn is why they did it the way they did it. You'll go, oh, no wonder they did it that way. I didn't know exactly. There's a lot you didn't know. There's a lot of people have wondered, why don't they call on me more? Why don't they use me? Why don't they let me be a part of that? It's because you didn't listen. And you didn't listen 20 times. Is everybody listening? They asked you to do something. Oh, you were gung-ho to do it, but you were going to do it your way. And you changed it. And you added to it. You took from it. You didn't see a problem with it. But God caused it unfaithful. You didn't know, but it caused them a problem. There were reasons why they wanted you to do it the way they told you. And you didn't know it. Is this true or not? Faithfulness requires faith. Trust. Right? Trust. And even if you're not sure that the person's doing everything right, you can trust God. Did he put you there? Did he tell them to help you? Then you help them the best you know how. If they need correction, leave him to do it. Is that right? Not your place. And God will bless you for faithfulness. Even if they wind up messing up. Because what's he looking at? Come on, what's he looking at? He's looking at your heart. All the time. Looking at your heart. Looking at your heart. Looking at your heart. (laughs) Go to Matthew, please. 24th chapter. If you're faithful with a little, then you will be allowed... To handle much. Does anybody want to handle much? That's increase. That's increase. What's the key to it? Faithfulness. If you look up the words for faithfulness, it basically means stable, secure, trustworthy, reliable. What does it mean? You can count on them. The proverb says that faith in an unfaithful person in the time of trouble is like relying on a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. (laughs) Paints a picture, doesn't it? Why would he say that? What's the problem with a broken tooth? You need to chew. Right? You got some beefsteak in your mouth, and you need to do something with it, and you go to chew on it, you go to, uh, you know, fix it where you can swallow it, and you are depending on that tooth. You're counting on that tooth to do the job, and right in the middle of the bite, it breaks, it cracks, it's sincere pain. 
That's an unfaithful molar. (laughs) Unfaithful. Why? Because when you needed it, it let you down. When you called on it to do what you wanted it to do, it it wouldn't do it. And a foot out of joint. What does that mean? Uh, Here is a bear headed your way. (laughs) You need to get moving. Is that right? And right now. And so here you're going to set one of your best times and oh, over you go. And the bear smiles. (laughs) What was the problem? Unfaithful foot. Unfaithful foot. What? Not reliable. Not dependable. We know God is faithful. I mean, how many scriptures talk about that? God is faithful. What does that mean? You can count on him. Is that right? Can you count on him? Uh, You can always. Everybody say always. You can always count on him. He will never lie to you. He will never let you down. He will never go behind your back and sell you out. Come on, are y'all listening? He will never side with your enemy against you. He will never betray you. Never, 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 never. You can always count on him. The question is, <laughs> can he count on you? That would be you being faithful. We know he's faithful. But us being faithful means he can count on us. Without question. Some of the sweetest words you will ever hear in time and eternity is, well done. Good and faithful servant. One of the worst words you could ever hear is unfaithful. You've been unfaithful. That's some of the hardest words you could ever hear. But we would be living in a dream world to think that everybody is faithful. We've already talked about that. Faithfulness is rare. You're looking at the billions on the planet. It's a rare thing. I can't control everybody. You can't, we can't make everybody's decisions. We can make the decision for ourselves that by the grace of God, come on, somebody said, by the grace of God, I will be faithful. By the grace of God, I will be one the Lord can count on, that he can depend on. Hallelujah. Praise God. And as surely as you do that, not just talk it, but do it, increase is headed your way. Because there is so much work that needs to be done. The harvest is great and the laborers is few. What's the problem? Getting people that listen to him. That's a global problem. People have personal agendas. Paul talked about Timothy, that he was faithful and didn't have anybody like him, so like-minded, that served with him like a father with the son. He said, because all seek their own and not the things that are Christ Jesus. 
What a report. All seek their own and not the things that are Christ Jesus. That's Paul's experience. He's pointing out Timothy's a treasure. Timothy's a treasure and important. You don't find Timothy's on every corner. Matthew 24, did you find? Yes. 24 and 42. I actually had, uh, in, in some of the worst parts of the COVID shutdown and all the fear and stuff that so many folks were struggling with, I was praying for people and just watching the, you know, the pain and the this and Man, it's so good to know you're saved and to be ready to die at any moment. I mean, you need to be ready to die. And when you're ready to die and you're no longer afraid to die, you're ready to live. You're not afraid to live. And um, in the middle of that, I was praying, Lord, you know, have mercy on them, help them, show them what they need to see. You just see so much panic and so much pain and stress, torment. Fear has torment. And uh, the Lord said this to me in my heart. He said, uh, he said, so many are continually asking me for help and to help them with their things. He went on to say, he said, but most of them don't care about my things. They don't care about my things. Well, you know that's true, don't you? That people are, you know, they're, they're begging, asking for God. And he's merciful, he's kind. But he can only do so much. He can only go so far. He can't bless unfaithfulness. He can't promote unfaithfulness. He can't add increase to unfaithful. That'd be violating his word. And it'd be foolish on his part to give increasing resources to somebody he knows is going to waste them. Because of what they've already done. He's not a foolish investor. He's a wise investor. Wisest that there's ever been. And he keeps on investing in you. Huh? Why? Somebody say, I'm a good investment. (laughs) Come on in the back. Say, I'm a good investment. I'm a good investment. Why? Because you're faithful. You're faithful. You're a good investment. A good long-term investment for God. (laughs) Matthew 24. We won't look through all of it. Verse 42, he said, Watch therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord does come. Know this, if the goodman of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also ready. Now this word just keeps coming up in these parables. Ready. Everybody say ready. Ready. Have you read the scripture enough to know what I'm talking about? Ready keeps showing up. Ready, also the word prepared, same thing. Ready, prepared. Be ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. The only way you can get it right is be faithful all the time. (laughs) That's the only way you can get it right. (laughs) Verse 45, who then 
is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. This is our future. God has plans for making us rulers and managers and stewards over his big eternal kingdom resources and to minister things to those in the future. Verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he comes shall find so doing. Verily I say to you, he shall make him what? Ruler over what? Is he talking about his things? The Lord's things? God's things? That's what the parable is. If that evil servant, this is an unfaithful uh, steward. If he says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. So he's saying, it's kind of like people say, well, I'm not going to get saved now. I'm on party. Right up until 1159. Then I'm going to jump in and get saved. Boy, what if your clock's wrong? (laughs) Well, this is a servant, but a bad one. And he says, my Lord delays his coming. And uh, he begins to smite his fellow servants, eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him, in an hour he's not aware of, and will cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. He's talking about the same thing. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. That word's also translated maidens. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise. And five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, you will hear all kind of interpretations of this. Entire eschological teachings that I see no scripture for. You want to look for understanding of the text in the text. Are y'all with me or not? I know that sounds simple, but oh, people are missing it right and left by pulling a phrase out here and building all this stuff and it's it's not right. Remember, with God, it's always about the heart. Why don't you just go ahead and say that? With God, with my Father, with my Father, It's always always about the heart. heart. That's the case here too. Both of these had lamps. Mm -hmm. Both of them had oil in their lamps. I think sometimes people miss that. Both of them had oil in the lamps. All ten of them. Five of them took extra oil. It said... While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, the wise ones too. Right? All of them went to sleep because it was longer than they expected. And uh, at midnight, 
There was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The King James says, Margin says, Going out. Going out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him, and the marriage and the door was shut. Everybody say, they that were ready. That's what you're supposed to get out of the parable. Come on, y'all listening or not? That's what you're supposed to get. They that were ready. Watch about fabricating all this other stuff. I don't care if somebody wrote a book and hardbound and multicolored and had five doctorate degrees. That doesn't make them right. They that were ready. Somebody say ready. 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 They that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. And verse 11. Afterward came also the other virgins that were what? Not ready. They were not ready. And they decided maybe they'd get ready when it was past time that they be ready. And they said, Lord, open to us. Lord, he said, verily I say to you, I know you not. Now, this is the most significant thing about them not getting in. People will read this and go, well, that just seems mean. (laughs) I know it was at Brother Mel Piper, an instructor in Ramley, back when I went there many years ago. He's teaching us on Old Testament and judgment and some of these things. And he started the class out. He said, there's a lot of things in here you may not understand. And the way it reads, it might seem harsh or hard or whatever. He said, but let me give you a tip. Always stay on God's side. (laughs) That's some of the best advice I've ever heard. Always stay on God's side. Because the enemy... Anytime he can, he'll try to push some thought towards you that, well, why'd God do that? And get you to look at him sideways and go, well, well, how come he didn't do this? Or uh, where is he? Or, or what's he waiting on? Well, he's trying to get you to take sides with him against God. It's not obvious, but that's what he's trying to do. And all you got to do is make a decision that no matter what God, people say, well, I don't know why God did that. And you go, well, I don't either, but I'm on his side. I'm, I'm, me and him. Yeah, but that don't just seem right to you. Well, yeah, but I'm on his side. I, what? I ain't going nowhere. What do you mean? He's right. He had a good reason. And he is completely fair and just and kind. And good. Never been anything else. Never will be anything else. He's light. In him is no darkness at all. I'm on his side. Somebody say, I'm on his side. I'm on his side. Now that seems like a small thing, but there are millions of people who are no longer going to church. They're miffed at God. They're upset at God. They think he he wasn't there for them. He didn't do something for them. They prayed and it didn't come to pass like they prayed. They said something. They, they tried to make a faith command. It didn't happen. And, and they got disillusioned and they're mad. And, and they don't realize that it was the devil feeding them. Well, where's your God now? And why isn't this happening? And why did that happen? And, and why this? And, and so they have unhooked from God. 
They've unhooked from him. They're not on his side. They're, they look at him sideways. They're questioning his character without verbalizing it. And that's unfaithful. Because he has never lied to you. Y'all with me? There's a ton of things you don't understand. I'm convinced. Just for the first several centuries. After we get out of this life. Get to heaven. Ever so often we'll go. Oh. (laughs) I mean just, just ever so often we'll go. Oh. No wonder. Oh. I see. Didn't the Bible say we know in part. And it's all these parts we don't know. But don't assume God's the problem. Don't assume, presume that the Lord is letting you down somehow. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. When you find out the truth, you'll be embarrassed. That you ever begin to get, feel hard against God. It's ignorance. Won't you say that out loud? I am on God's side. I stay on God's side. Nothing can separate me from him, his love, his truth. Nothing can wedge between me and him. Nothing. I'm on his side. And we will understand it better by and by. Keep reading. He said, verily, I don't know you. That's why they didn't get in. He didn't know them. Somebody said, well, it was, it was an oil problem. No. <laughs> it wasn't an oil problem. Well, then, what's the issue? He goes on to say, verse 13, watch, therefore, for you don't know the day or the hour when the Son of Man comes. What, what do you mean? How does that work out that I watch? It's not just staring at the sky. What, how did they get in? How did the five wise ones get in? They were ready. Oh, somebody say ready. 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 They didn't know about his schedule, obviously. They didn't know about so many things, but, but they were ready. Why were they ready? And the others were not. The preparation. The preparation. Or the lack thereof. Revealed the heart. Why were the five foolish there? He didn't know them. So it had to be some other reason. Than commitment and love and trust. People show up for the event. People show up because it's the big thing happening and, and they want to be a part or they want to take selfies and post them. Faith, I believe the Lord gave this to me today, faith prepares to receive. Faithfulness prepares to serve. Faith gets ready to receive. Faithfulness prepares to serve. What do you mean? 
Why did five of them make extra preparation? Why? Because they were willing to do whatever it took to stay there as long as they needed to stay. Oh, come on, y'all with me or not? This is not just an event for them. The bridegroom is coming. We will do whatever it takes to stay as long as it takes. So they went the extra mile. They made the extra preparation. They spent the extra money. Oh, come on, are y'all listening? Why? They didn't come to be seen. They came to be ready for the bridegroom when he came. To be ready. To be ready. It's not enough to just say, well, if y'all need anything, let us know. You know, we're real busy right now. But uh, if you do, you know, y'all need any help down at the church? Well, just like every day. Every day. At night. (laughs) But if y'all, and then they say, well, why don't y'all call on us? You're not available. Listen to another parable the Lord said. He said, he told the parable of the the man that prepared the, the, the feast and the wedding feast, and then he called people to come. You remember that? And one by one, they began to make excuse. Didn't they? Business involvement, I can't come. Family involvement, I can't come. I can't come. Please have me excused. They were polite about it. Please have me excused. I've actually had before people tell me, well, I, you know, I'm so sorry. I can't be a part of that. And, and we can't do that because we got all this going on right now. And I said to them, that's fine. That's okay. Don't, don't be concerned about it. And as they were walking away, the Lord said to me, he said, I didn't say it was okay. <laughs> I didn't say it was fine. People don't realize they're being unfaithful. Everything else comes before church. Everything else comes before giving. Everything else comes before serving. It's unfaithful. Because he has dealt with people to do things. And just because people told you it was okay if you didn't do it, doesn't mean the Lord said it was okay. And what they find out then as time goes on, they're not a part of things. Why don't y'all use me? Uh (laughs) Well, first of all, we'd have to find you. (laughs) (laughs) And and the last several times, you were too busy. Of course, you had reasons. I mean, it was your job. It was, and you got to work, got to work. It was your kids, and you got to take care of your kids. It is absolutely wrong to put your family first. There's only one first place. And if your family has it, guess who doesn't? There's only one first place. And if you teach your children and grandchildren by example to put their family first, you know what they'll do when they grow up? They won't put God first. And it'll cost them. 
I said, it'll cost them severely. You demonstrate to them that you don't put them first. Uh Uh-oh, did I lose some money? You show them how that when it comes time for this, you want to be there for your kids as much as you can. But it, it must not be priority over the things of God. And there are times when you need to miss things in order to go to church or the meeting or, or to serve. You need to miss things. You mean to say, no, I can't do that because we have this meeting. There are people who should be in the room tonight. They wouldn't make the extra effort to be here. And it's a problem. Why? What about the foolish ones? They wouldn't make the extra effort. Come on, do you hear? The five brought extra oil. What's that representative of? Extra effort. Extra preparation. Come on, can you see this? Extra preparation. It's not about just the oil. It's about the heart. Their effort, their willingness showed their priority, showed their love, showed their heart. The other ones were okay if it happened quickly. If it happened quickly and conveniently, they're up for it. But if it requires more than they had thought or had planned, they're not ready. They're not ready for that kind of involvement, for that kind of giving, for that kind of commitment. (laughs) Look at the very next verse. The very next verse. Verse 14. For. So he's not done talking. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his servants and delivered to them his goods. And he gave one five talents to another two to another one. Every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. He wasn't through talking about when he when he told that about the the ten maidens. And we saw parts of it in the previous chapter. What's he talking about? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. This is not about condemnation. But we need to be honest with ourselves. It's not our job to try to make people serve God. Absolutely not. I'm it's not our job to chase people, tell them where to be and what to do. But we can preach the word. The biggest thing, we can live it. We can set an example in front of people that God's kingdom is first. Seek ye first. Somebody say first. Seek, seek ye first. Come on, help me out. Seek ye first. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hallelujah. And when he tells us to do something, you can be sure the enemy will come and give you reasons why you can't do it. Did anybody have some ideas of why you couldn't come to the meeting this week? Any things that you just really, it wasn't a good time, right? To just break loose and come or... It's always that way. It's always that way. But you don't have much trouble with it if you've already made up your mind. Come on, if you've already made up your mind that I will do whatever it takes 
to do what the Lord told me to do. If I need to, I will rent me a truck trailer of oil and I will bring it to the parking lot. Is that right? And we will have food brought to us. And we'll set up a portable shower out here. And when the Lord comes and says, I'm ready, we will say, yes, sir. Ready, chief. Here we are. We won't need to get ready. We've been ready. We, we, we prepared aforetime. We prepared ahead of time. That's not a small thing. It shows a heart. It's a heart revealer. If you're not willing to do it, it shows unfaithfulness. I'll do it if he comes by, you know, before midnight. <laughs> Y'all want to go to meet the bridegroom? Yeah, let me grab my lamp. <laughs> of course, they spent half the afternoon getting dressed. And then just grab the lamp. Why? Because we're only going to be there a couple hours. But if the service runs long, <laughs> if the bridegroom tarries, they weren't prepared for that. They weren't willing to make that kind of a commitment. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.